This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. We shall splinter the segregated South into a thousand pieces and put them together in the image of God and democracy. We must say, wake up, America, wake up, for we cannot stop and we will not and cannot be patient. Those are the words of Representative John Lewis. And he spoke those words when he was only 23 years old, and he was the youngest of the speakers at the 1963 March on Washington. And being a little bit less diplomatic and perhaps not the orator of Martin Luther King, he had to tone down his speech before they allowed him to go on and say some of the things that he wanted to say. And I'm really very happy to honor Representative John Lewis today because he embodies so much of what we need in the United States today. So Representative John Lewis has been representing the Georgia 5th Congressional District, and he's been doing that. He did that from 1987 until 2020. That's a long time. And he's actually only the second representative from Georgia since the time of Reconstruction. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I cover a lot of things about the Reconstruction era and the gains that African-American people made in the United States during a very limited period of time, most of which ended up being eroded when President Woodrow Wilson came into office. So by the time we get to the turn of the century, there was really essentially almost no representation at all in the U.S. federal government in Washington, D.C. So Representative John Lewis, he actually was born on the 21st of February in 1940, and he died on the 17th of July in 2020 this year. He was born in Troy, Alabama, and he was the son of sharecroppers Willie May and Eddie Lewis. He was inspired by the Montgomery bus boycott and by hearing Dr. Martin Luther King on radio broadcast in 1955. He met Rosa Parks when he was 17 years old. He met Martin Luther King when he was 18 years old. And early on in his life, he decided to become a part of the civil rights movement. He was mentored by Reverend James M. Lawson Jr., who also was a strong proponent for Gandhi's approach to nonviolence. And Reverend James Lawson trained a lot of students in the Nashville area to become civil rights operators who were nonviolent. It was all part of very progressive social movements. So John Lewis, when he was a student at Fisk University, he went on to get a bachelor's degree in religion and philosophy. 
And also while in the Nashville area, he also attended American Baptist Theological Seminary. And I'll say this, over the years, he has been given and he holds more than 50 honorary doctorates, far too numerous for me to mention. However, some of them were from Harvard, Brown University, Princeton, University of Pennsylvania, Morehouse College, Duke University, Howard University, Columbia, and Clark Atlanta as well. But while he was a student at Fisk, he organized a sit-in demonstration in Nashville at a segregated lunch counter. As a result of those activities, some of those lunch counters actually ended up not being segregated after the activism and after the work. He was also one of the original freedom riders. And these were people who rode into the deep South and they were challenging the Southern bus terminals, particularly the interstate terminals for bus transportation because they were segregated. And in 1960, the Supreme Court decision Boynton versus Virginia had actually declared segregated transportation unconstitutional. So in 1961, these freedom riders, which included seven whites and six blacks, rode through the South and attempted to ride together in those segregated cars. And it was against the Jim Crow laws to actually ride together as black and white. As a result of those freedom rides, there was a lot of violence on the part of white segregationists in the South and also sometimes law enforcement agents as well. People were beaten with baseball bats and chains and lead pipes and all kinds of other brutality, which led to significant and serious physical injuries. There was one time when he even served 40 days in a Mississippi state penitentiary for some of that activism and some of that work. And back in those days, a stay in the penitentiary meant being out in the work camps and treatment was extremely harsh. In another incident, he also was left in a pool of blood unconscious at the Montgomery bus station because of the beatings that he received. In spite of all the violence against him, John Lewis remained completely committed to nonviolent social action. And from 1963 to 1966, he was the chairman of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, and he organized students in the civil rights movement. In 1964, through his organization, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, he also organized a lot of voter registration type campaigns. And as a result of some of that work, more than 4 million African-American people were registered to vote. In March of 1965, with Jose Williams, he led 600 peaceful marchers across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. And this march was also for voting rights. When his contingent and group of people got to the end of the bridge, they were met by the Alabama state troopers. They were significantly and severely attacked. They were charged by troopers on horses. Some were trampled by horses. 
They were beaten with nightsticks. And this incident was so severe that it was called Bloody Sunday. And mind you, this demonstration on the part of the marchers was peaceful. There was no violence coming from the marchers at all, only from those who met them at the end of the bridge. And from this incident, John Lewis actually got a fractured skull and he was left with lifelong scars as a result of that incident. The broadcasts that went throughout the country and the photographs of the brutality and their cruelty against the marches was so severe that that cruelty is what actually hastened the passage of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Their work actually did end up resulting in a positive outcome, although that struggle came at a very high price and a high cost in terms of what they had to endure physically. In his lifetime, Representative John Lewis was arrested more than 40 times, physically attacked, again, had so many serious injuries and so on and so forth in his life. And he was undeterred. No matter how many times he got arrested, no matter how many times he got beaten, he still continued in the cause. In 1977, he was appointed by President Jimmy Carter to direct more than 250,000 volunteers of action. And this was a federal volunteer agency. In 1981, he was elected to the Atlanta City Council, and his whole platform was about ethics in government and also neighborhood preservation. And as we mentioned before, he was ultimately elected to Congress in November 1986 with his service time starting in 1987. As early as 1988, he introduced a bill for a National Museum of African-American History and Culture. Although that bill often would pass in the House, it would be blocked in the Senate. And again, undeterred, Representative John Lewis kept bringing that bill before the House and before the Senate. And it wasn't until Southern Senator Jesse Helms retired in 2002 that the blocks to the museum stopped. So finally, in 2003, President George W. Bush signed the bill that made the African American Museum in Washington, D.C., a possibility. And if you have been to Washington, D.C., you know that that museum is there today. So again, perseverance and tenacity. Representative Lewis also received the Medal of Freedom from President Barack Obama, which is the highest honor for a civilian to receive. He also received the Lincoln Medal from Ford's Theater, and the Martin Luther King Jr. Nonviolent Peace Prize. In 2001, he received the John F. Kennedy Profile in Courage, and he was the first person to receive that Lifetime Achievement Award. Many have received Profiles in Courage Award, but not necessarily for Lifetime Achievement. And subsequently, the second recipient was in 2008. He's written some books, a book series that was called a graphic novel, which was a trilogy called March. And the first volume of that came out in 2013, then 2015 for the second volume, and then 2016. The book won all kinds of awards, including the Robert F. Kennedy Book Award. And the second episode 
was on the New York Times bestseller list and the Washington Post list. And he wrote this book to teach the current generations about the civil rights movement. And he wanted them to understand what had happened in the past and also what needed to be done today. He also wrote Across the Bridge, Life Lessons and a Vision for Change that received a 2012 NAACP Image Award. In 1998, a biography was done about him with Michelle Dorso called Walking with the Wind, a Memoir of the Movement. So what I want to say about Representative John Lewis is that he has been for many years and many decades a proponent for the advancement of the culture in the United States and calling the United States to higher values. He's been relentless in that pursuit. On a tweet that he sent out on the 30th of May, I want to quote what he said because it is still relevant for today's time and will be relevant as we even go forward into the future. He said, I know your pain, your rage, your sense of despair and hopelessness. Justice has indeed been denied for far too long. Rioting, looting, and burning is not the way. Organize, demonstrate, sit in, stand up, vote, be constructive, not destructive. I think that quote is very powerful for our time today. And let's keep in mind that during John Lewis's lifetime, he was the conscience of the Congress. He stood for disadvantaged people everywhere. And he was a strict adherent to reconciliation and nonviolence. So I want to share a few leadership principles that we can take from his life and what he did. Number one, Representative John Lewis had the courage to stand up for what is right, even if it cost him. As I've been describing, it cost him a lot in terms of his physical condition and his physical health. And he had the courage to stand up anyway. So as leaders, number one, be willing to stand up for what is right, have the courage, even if it's going to cost you something personally. Number two, he had the tenacity and the perseverance to see a goal through. All of those years that it took for him to get that bill passed for the National Museum in Washington, D.C. for African-American history, and he continued to persevere all the many years through the 60s and beyond fighting for civil rights. And he never gave up, never gave up. So tenacity and perseverance. So if you are pursuing a worthwhile goal as a leader, know that you may face opposition and tenacity and perseverance are important. Number three, he focused on issues that mattered. This one is very important, focusing on issues that matter. Things like transportation, having safety in transportation, a decrease in congestion, and back in the Jim Crow era, really eradicating segregation 
in transportation. He fought for jobs and unemployment. He fought for voting rights and for families and family issues and adoption. He was a real proponent for really obliterating the impact of the coronavirus and particularly for vulnerable communities where he identified and talked about the link to air pollution and air pollution being in vulnerable communities. Part of the reason why a lot of people of color who get the coronavirus actually don't survive. And so he was a proponent for that. As a leader, focus on issues that matter. Number four, he was lifelong committed to nonviolent social change. And that's a decision and that's a commitment. Though he was met with violence, he himself was committed to nonviolence. And number five, he was committed to building what Dr. Martin Luther King called the beloved community in America. And that's a world without poverty, racism, or war. He was very committed to that. And his whole life reflected that commitment. So he was into building community, not tearing down community. So again, as a leader, focus on what it is you want to build. And then I have a message for corporate America from the life of Representative John Lewis. I know that many corporations today have issued statements indicating their support of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Many of you in corporations today and executive leaders, you're trying to figure out what else to do to support diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I wanna share three principles to keep in mind. Number one, find someone out there who is building the community. So that's number one, find someone or people who are building the community. Find someone who's promoting worthy goals like jobs, like the right to vote. Because in today's time, we still have a lot of voter suppression and a lot of rules that get implemented at the last minute that are designed to prevent some communities, particularly persons of color, from voting and promoting justice and liberty and all of its various forms where injustice is taking place. So find someone who's promoting worthy goals. And then as a corporation, number three, lend your platform and your financial support to the causes and leaders of nonviolent social change movements. So I would like to take this time to celebrate the 80 years of life of Representative John Lewis. And in the military, we would normally give a 21-gun salute. And I know that Guns were not a part of his weaponry and arsenal. So what I'm going to offer instead is a 2100 light salute to Representative John Lewis. And his weapons were light, truth, and brotherhood. And let us honor him by also walking according to the light, truth, and brotherhood. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership 
with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources. Thank you.